Welcome to Reverb Roundtable, a weekly show that brings the brightest creative minds and digital producers in sports, entertainment, politics, news, and more to share their stories and strategies that will help you become a better leader and creator. Today, we are joined by Cassie Epstein, who has been running the social strategy for Gillette Stadium since 2008. She literally started their social media accounts. And Willie Whitelaw, who manages social for New England Revolution, a major league soccer team whose home field is, you guessed it, Gillette Stadium. We discuss how they got their start in social, what they think people should and shouldn't do on social, and so much more. All right, guys, let's jump in. Here's your host, Clark Campbell. Thank you, Tessa. Yeah, me and William are here with two uh, New England superstars in the social (laughs) digital spaces. Um, We're so excited, not only because I spent a third of my life in New England, and I have such a big heart for uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Gillette Stadium, all the New England sports teams. I hate any team associated with New York. I hate New York teams, but I love me some New England teams. Um, Cassie, and Willie, welcome. I'm so honored to have both of you on the Reverb Roundtable. How are you both in New England? Tell us where you're at. Yeah, do you yeah, want to start, Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm here uh, <clears throat> just a couple miles away from Foxborough. It's uh, currently a, a two game, uh, three games in eight-day stretch. So uh, just a little downtime. Thank you for having me on, having us on. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Amazing. Yeah. Cassie, where are you at? Yeah, so I'm at home in Boston working from home, but, you know, just Boston is whatever, you know, 30 minutes, 30 miles away from Foxborough. So bounce back to the stadium a few times, you know, a month for games and whatnot, but working from home for now. Amazing. I am, like I said, being a New Englander, a Southern New Englander, this, this podcast episode, I'm super pumped about it because New England sports is a religion. Okay. And, and I, I know Cassie has to jump around and play between sports and events and all kinds of things at Gillette stadium, which we're going to uh, jump into here in just a second. But new in New England sports is like everything. It is the politics aren't even as important as sports are in New England for so many people. No, I, sat down with Clark. I was like, Clark, what are we going to talk about today? He's like, they're from New England. It'll be. <laughs> exactly. So this is going to be fun. Um, I, I want to ask Cassie uh, and Willie this question, let you guys kind of jump back and forth here. Um, you have a very unique situation where Cassie's running social and digital content for a, uh, uh, for a, an event, event venue, Gillette stadium, mm-hmm. one of the most, uh, renowned venues in the country, honestly. And, uh, will you're running content and strategy and stuff for one brand within this massive umbrella. And it's a fascinating conversation that I want to just jump right out of the gates and talk about, but Cassie was around before you. She's been totally. for She's the veteran. She's the veteran for over 10 years. That blows my mind. And if you look at her Twitter bio, she's not social media. She's not an intern. She is a leader. She doesn't say that, but I'm, I'm, I'm throwing that in there because she's not an intern and we hate it when people act like social media is this little tiny task. Um, Cassie, tell us about your journey and how, uh, you like dance back and forth between all of these brands, all of these, uh, different events at Gillette stadium. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for saying all that. I really appreciate it. I had a really weird, I'll kind of go into like really quickly how I got to where I was. It's a, it was a Please. weird path. I was a theology and psychology major in college. So that wow. like, this is not what I thought I was going to be doing. 
um, but kind of fell into a marketing internship my junior year with the New England Patriots. A friend of mine had worked there and, you know, I became enamored with it. Um, Worked there, just instantly fell in love with it. Like the craziness of working in sports was just so, it really, it just made such an impact on me. And then from there, moved over and interned for our business development and external affairs department, which is actually where I work now. And so that department basically handles, among other things, you know, every full stadium event that doesn't fall under Revolution Soccer, New England Patriot football. So it's concerts, it's NCAA events, it's, we had the Dalai Lama one year, we had like Supercross, Monster Jam, kind of all of those one-offs kind of fall into our bucket. Um and yeah, when I started, we didn't even have like social media was just not what it is. Like I started, you know, in 2008. And so like I had like a Facebook yep. page, like personally, <laughs> but like there wasn't, you know, like the business side of it. And so yep. just like randomly one day when we were putting together a marketing plan for a concert, I think, you know, I just kind of reached my boss was like, you know, we should probably have like a Facebook page or something. So if people have questions, whatever, and just thought it was going to be like an afterthought. And then it just grew into something that I don't think any of us really thought it was going to become as big as it has been. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. So like, you know, it's all of those concerts. So it's a lot of live music that I'm managing from a social standpoint. But then, you know, with Willie and from our Patriots team, it's, you know, deferring to them on, you know, when it's a when it's a Revs game or a Patriots game and helping them amplify pieces or if there's messaging that they need to get out, kind of supporting them in those roles. But it's been really cool for me to be able to kind of live in those two worlds of live music and sports, like two huge passions of mine. I've been really lucky to kind of have have that unique setting to to work in both. Fascinating. I'm going to jump in with a question. I know Will and I are going to go back and forth here, but to transition over to Willie, Willie, what's it like, like looking up to Cassie and being like, Hey, will you retweet, will you retweet me? Will you share? Yeah, our post? No, no. It's totally Cassie's got so much more clout and not only here, but like in the social space, like in general, you know, about to crack 10,000 on Twitter. She's got ESPN anchors replying Let's there and it. stuff like that. Oh. I mean, She's got it. She's got it made. But uh, no, with Cassie, it's actually uh, pretty cool. And it's obviously been a really interesting time in the 15, 16 months I've been here. Right. Because I think the other weekend was our first event like together in person, like literally like where she was in the same tier as I was, whereas Mm -hmm. other uh, (laughs) events where there was no fans, she was up in the stands and I was like Mm -hmm. down in my bubble. So, uh, that's super neat in and of itself, right? Or like in flash and stuff like that uh, for the first thing. But no, with Cassie and obviously what she's built and, um, you know, what they have there in Gillette and obviously, um, you know, continual winning throughout the organization. It's just, um, you know, it's a real treat and it's real awesome to like, you know, obviously be a part of the ecosystem of Gillette and, you know, what, how it like, you know, encompasses the entire Foxborough New England area, right? Represents everything, the fanaticism of everything. Mm-hmm. Willie, so obviously Cassie just kind of gave her rundown a little bit of high level of what she does and how she got there. It's your turn. Kind of tell us like how you got to where you're at and then more what your job kind of looks like on a day-to-day. And obviously that's changing as we're exiting out of COVID and entering back into these in-person events. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I have a pretty strong soccer background uh, in general, uh, you know, I went to college in Michigan and then finished in Arkansas. I'm originally a New Jersey kid, so the New York hate, I really can't, you know, stand a little bit. You know, it's a little, it's a, it's a couple jabs here off the bat. Uh, it hurts, you know, man. It hurts. 
Yeah, you know, I'm 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 a diehard, you know, a couple teams. Jersey's even me. worse than yeah. New York. Like New York's bad. I don't like <laughs> Jersey's see, way worse. See, that's that's <laughs> that's false. NJ Gov Twitter, everybody knows. That's Twitter account <laughs> in all the world, basically. Uh, you know, but I don't know. I have a strong soccer background. Uh, you know, began doing an internship after college in Oklahoma and like minor leagues. Uh, then you know, <clears throat> transitioned and came back home to work for my hometown team, the New York Red Bulls, uh, for a number of years. And then um, two weeks before the world shut down, before COVID, uh, I joined uh, the New England Revolution as a, you wow. know, another MLS venture for myself. Uh, and then from the day-to-day, um, it's basically, you know, I lead all the social channels. I, I would say 99.8% of everything that goes out onto every platform. I'm the one who clicks posts or schedule or uh, things of that sort. You know, we have a, a bit of a smaller team compared to some other MLS clubs, but, um, you know, a small but efficient team. And uh, mm-hmm. recently, you know, in recent years, uh, they hired Bruce Arena, most famous uh, American soccer coach probably to walk the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, they obviously spent a decent amount of money on roster here. So it's a really exciting time. We went to an Eastern Conference final last year, one of the deepest guns in five, six years. Cassie's seen actually a number of revolution, deep, deep runs. Um, and then obviously we don't have that elusive MLS Cup title yet, but Obviously, with the resources and with Bruce, yeah, it's, it's a New uh, England team. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exactly. that's what I do. And then, obviously, you know, we have a couple of different organizational entities, like a reserve team, some academies. Uh, you know, that all fall under things that we touch and branch out and try and bring spotlight to as well. All right, I have a question. This is off the. This was not on the list. Okay, um, we're just we're going coffee roundtable style. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> This is starting off strong. So Cassie, um, you said theology and psychology. So uh, yeah. I, I went, I was kind of not really that exact background, but I was like sort of theology and music. And now right. I run a team of real time content creators at events. Um, I can't tell you the whole story cause it's a, it's an, it's a long, but interesting story of how I made it from that to this. I'm curious yeah. How did you make it from that to this? What's the path and what are the similarities in psychology and theology that maybe you've found as a track in now communicating on digital media platforms? Yeah, it's a good question. My, I swear my boss for like the first five years that I worked there like would introduce me to people as being like, this is Cassie Thews. She was a theology major. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> like we can just maybe like skip over that. Move past but, that. Yeah. yeah, but I think, you know... I mean, I had kind of fallen into that internship because someone I knew had had it. And then I had, you know, kind of worked on like game days with her when they needed more help or whatever and kind of made those connections. And I think, you know, thinking back on it now, I think it probably helped me because I was so hyper aware of the fact that I was like the only intern that wasn't like a sports marketing major. Yeah, that I felt right. like everyone was looking at me like, what is she doing here? She doesn't deserve to be here. So I think that probably <laughs> made me work like 10 times harder, which like probably made me a better intern because I was so hyper-focused on that, on proving that I deserve to be there and that the random theology major, like, actually can do this work. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, once I 
started realizing that this was something that was really interesting to me and a, and a possible, you know, occupation when I graduated, I started taking, you know, as many courses um, in college that had to do with that. So there was like sports marketing course that I took. There was marketing, like psychology of marketing that I took. So there were pieces of that that I was once, once I realized that sports was something like interesting to me, like I could kind of, you know, at least for the last like year and a half that I was in school, kind of pick up those courses, which really did help. Um, and yeah, I think it's funny. I mean, I think psychology of marketing, I think definitely helps with like understanding all of that that goes into like how marketing, like, you know, reaches the brain and like what people are thinking is just mm-hmm. so endlessly interesting to me. I think on the flip side too, from both probably the theology and psychology standpoint of, I think I just read people really well. And that's really helped from all of those courses that like, I mean, and all of you know this, like the people that you meet in sports and live music are like some wild personalities. And like, there are yeah. some like really weird crews that you can come in contact with. And I think that's really helped me kind of balance, you know, the wildness of like, especially a concert day of like different people coming in and interacting with different groups and really kind of managing those relationships in a, in a, in a good way, I think has definitely helped from that background. Um, but yeah, and I think, you know, just overall kind of those psychology courses that I took that were able to combine you know, sports, marketing, psychology really did, I think, help me for when then I graduated and picked up that role. I'm going to take that a bit further. And then Willie, you get to answer this next. Um, What is one of the biggest hurdles from a psychological standpoint, when you're trying to reach multiple audiences? How do you apply the psychology to the content you create across multiple platforms versus whether it's I don't know if you'll have a TikTok, I apologize. But whether it's TikTok Mm -hmm. or Facebook or Instagram stories or Twitter, like, how do you use psychology to, to get into all these different audiences, Cassie? And then I'm going to give you more time, Willie, to think about it. But um, <laughs> she's got more audiences, I think, than you do. Yeah, um, yeah. For sure. yeah, it's it's a weird, we have a weird audience and that it's not mm-hmm. like for Willie or for like our Patriots team, like everyone that's following Willie is interested mm-hmm. in the revs. Like whether you hate right. the revs or you love them, you're going there because you want yeah, that it's content. It's a very niche audience. Right. And ours is like Justin Bieber fans and Metallica fans <laughs> and Patriots fans and Revs fans and Taylor Swift fans. So like they're all over the map. And so, yeah. you know, I think for us, it's a lot of targeting our content. So like not everyone mm-hmm. is seeing everything we push out because if I'm here right. for Patriots content and I'm seeing 25 Taylor Swift updates a day, like I'm unfollowing mm-hmm. you. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. not what I'm here for. Right. So yep. especially yep. on Twitter, when you can just kind of like throw that at sign in front of a tweet. So like only those people are seeing it is what we do a lot. And I think too, like it really, the psychology I think of the fan base is what helps me understand and craft like how I speak to those audiences. Like I don't speak to Revs fans the same way I speak to Taylor Swift fans or Metallica fans and people are coming for different content. You know, it's funny, like I think our younger audience really appreciate like the engagement and and that one-on-one contact and having that verified account, you know, like their content or reply back, like feeling heard. I think it's really important. Our older fans tend to be more like, tell me when tickets go on sale. Tell me when the gates open. Like, I don't need you like responding back with like inside jokes. Like I'm just here for the content and like our younger fans, like they really appreciate that. And so you kind of, you listen and you spend a lot of time reading like what those fans are saying and then kind of reflect that back to them and, and what they're looking for. So you can provide that content. So it's a lot more one-on-one interactions or kind of like creating those like one-on-one relationships and inside jokes with those fan bases so that they know that, you know, you're really dialed in, like you understand the artist, the band that's coming, like you've taken the time to understand that because they really appreciate that band and that person. They want to make sure that you are kind of putting in that same effort. So 
it's a lot of listening and then just kind of bouncing it back to them depending on what they're looking for. Willie? I, I envy your job because you have us. <laughs> not that you have an easier job. It's on the That's record, Willie, before you start, that your job's easy and Cassie's <laughs> no, so just no, take no, that no, as no, a free no, recognition. No, as you go I not. said it's not easier. It's just different. Um, how, how do you approach uh, the psychology of how do you connect with fans? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> big time. Uh, like this is, I guess, like one of the most important parts of a you know, a team that does play a little bit of like fifth fiddle in title town USA, which is Boston. Right. So mm -hmm. I think when I took the job, it was, Hey, we have all these pieces of like a, a, an original franchise, which is on the up and up again. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. So how do you placate to say like, Hey, we belong here. We're good on the field. Let's take that to off the field as well. To social, right. Whereas you've had down years in the past. Right. So naturally, your content is affected, right? If you don't have, you know, prosperous seasons on the field or deep playoff runs. So those have eluded for quite some time. So when I came here, it was like, Hey, we have superstar players. You have Bruce arena. Cassie knows we love to highlight Bruce as much as possible in the legend that he is. Um, <clears throat> so the psychology behind that is totally taking it. And if, you know, I am the brand voice, so per se, and, you know, I am a little bit of like still a Gen Z right in that middle area there. So mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, absolutely. Similar to what Cassie says, it's relate to every fan, right? We do have like the hardcore older who've been here since 1996, you know, that still come to mm -hmm. games, wear the jerseys from 15 years ago. Um, but, you know, like how do you grow that fan base? How do you diversify it right throughout New England, right? This is what we represent. And I think the cultural angle for me is like, you have to bring in everybody who's bigger than the brand, right? So whether it's rappers, whether it's Red Sox players, whether it's Bruins players, like that is the key to growing and being like more relevant in your market outside of like winning does all the talking and selling in reality, right? So now yeah. that you have that, it's just like a seamless combination. If we were bad, I wouldn't really know how to answer the question or how to tell you because I would just be in the corner being like, Great I have point. no engagement. I have no retweets. I have no likes. Um, but yeah, the connection, uh, the connecting way that I do that and how I engage everywhere, uh, you know, as someone who lives on their phone and their devices as well, is yep. totally like comment, reply, bring in, you know, former alumni, ESPN anchors to like, you know, retweet engage with our content like this morning taylor twelman is a you know really famous player of ours played here legend uh works for espn it's on all their platforms sports nation and you know this morning we just so happened to be that we opened the stadium 19 years ago he scored two goals you tag him in it he shares it he engages mm -hmm. that's ten thousand new views because he's got half yeah. a million followers right and he's four or five six times bigger than the team itself you guys are both championing these huge brands, and obviously that is going to look like a lot of content producing. It's probably going to look like a decent amount of content management and maybe some project and team management. What do y'all's individual teams kind of look like? What backing resources do you guys have for content creation that's happening, whether it's at an event in real time or week to week as you guys are just trying to keep content flow going? Um, is this people on your staff are you guys really like smiling team wonders <laughs> really smiling like, well, you know, I, I already see what you go man 
Yeah, so like, tell me about that. Tell me about y'all's teams or lack thereof in regards to what's producing all this content. Oh, sure. So I think um, it's it's so weird because I'm in that weird like gray area of like not a team or like not an athlete. Yep. So we kind of like fall through like the different big buckets. So, you know, the team is basically like it was just me for like the first 12 years, like just Cassie Epstein trying to do everything, which like has its pros, but also like really has its cons. Hmm. Um, so now, you know, we have, you know, another team member coordinator that helps me with that content and kind of coming up with content, creating it, you know, managing a lot of our, you know, giveaway fulfillment and all of that. Um, we have like, my department doesn't necessarily have those like digital designers and videographers and editors. So we lean to, you know, the team at Gillette stadium, like the general kind of digital team that's supporting every department. And so that's where like my, my submissions go to of like, here's what we're looking to put together, whether it's a graphic for a holiday or for, you know, a video that we're looking to cut. Um, so we kind of pull from those bigger groups. It's not like all under our one kind of unified team, but luckily because it is such a big brand and there are so many entities under the Gillette stadium umbrella, you know, the craft group properties that there are those kind of big content groups that we can, can go to and draw into for, for all that support. Awesome. I'm going to follow up on that really fast. I'm hold on before we go to Willie, I got to follow up really fast. So Mm -hmm. you are completely, say if you have a massive event, um, mm-hmm. And you really want to show off that this event happened at Gillette Stadium in real mm-hmm. time, sort of. Um, are You're completely dependent on the content speed and quality of the brands that exist within the stadium. Is that correct? Within the venue? Yeah, exactly. And And it's funny because, you know, a lot of what I do is you know, related to events that we don't own, you know, as Gillette Stadium, right? So if it's not like Revolution or Patriots, a lot of that is not under my control. So if we have a concert yeah. coming, it's a lot of me deferring to that tour, that management group, their marketing team to figure out what can we pull? What can we post? Mm-hmm. You know, what assets do we have that we can leverage? Um, and, you know, that a lot of the tours come in and they're just like, here's when we go on sale, do whatever you want. And then we have tours that come through and are like, here's exactly what you can post. Here's the exact emoji that you can post. Like not this emoji, this emoji, it has to be at this time. So it really does vary depending on who we're working with and what I can't even post because it's not technically our event. We're just the host venue. So a lot of that depends on just communicating with them and figuring out kind of that middle ground of, of what we're able to do from our end. Fascinating. Now I'm going to let Willie go. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. So I won't get into uh, that that so much, but uh, yeah, obviously I have, you know, a direct boss, uh, the director of digital media. I think he's been here about as long as Cassie has or right around that area. So, you know, we do have a bunch of people in our organization who have been here in the long term uh, with the craft group in general. And then, uh, you know, just the first down to myself uh, for all the, the channels in and of itself. And then obviously, you know, just to, uh, videographers uh, that you know travel with the team and do some other things you know some photography myself photography uh, you know we kind of all you know are a jack of all trades in certain areas which is mm-hmm. I think the key to working in professional sports is wherever you at and you know don't say mm-hmm. much about what size cap or whatever cap <laughs> you are, aren't wearing that day uh, and then yeah obviously we have um a little bit of uh, two like host reporters that uh, you know cover the website, write about the team, stand up hits in stadium stuff like that that uh, do fall under like our marketing digital team um, in their time. And then obviously <clears throat> it just comes down to in the COVID world, 
you know, when you're in bubbles, you have to enter bubbles and test every, every, every other day for the last 15 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then, you know, with, uh, travel now, right. It's super restricted. It's private. Mm-hmm. It's myself and a videographer, uh, to every single game. So what we capture and what we want there, um, all comes from there, right. Whether it is on an every mm-hmm. single day basis. And even, uh, when it comes to like training and who's allowed in the building and who's around, who's allowed around the players, it's been, you know, the same little team, uh, throughout the whole thing. Uh, so I don't know anything outside of the COVID era. And unfortunately, you know, I was here two weeks. I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't meet Cassie until, you know, uh, July. I think I joined in February and you know, yeah, I in, in the July. I was going to be my follow-up question. So you, you came on two weeks before COVID hit. So obviously your entire work environment looks drastically different from your perspective to probably what it's going to end up turning into, mm-hmm. um, which could be a blessing or a curse. It totally depends on how it ends up <laughs> working out for you. But within that, uh, you obviously had experience to some degree walking into this job. So how much of a slap in the face was it as you were walking in and now all of a sudden everything that you thought it was going to be is shifting? And then what was kind of, what was your process in that? What was your uh, what were you doing to find new methods and new ways of doing things? What resources were you pulling from? And then I guess kind of like to cap that off, what are you looking at doing as you're entering into a little bit more freedom, pulling a little bit more away from COVID a little bit more into events? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really great question. Uh, as you're saying, yeah, this is not my first rodeo in soccer, but obviously I did not expect it to be what the world experienced. You know what I mean? Like realistically. Um, so yeah, when, when, when you stepped in two weeks, we had two games and then it was like, all right, shut down, build, build a strategy for the next eight months, year. Mm-hmm. We don't know. You know what I mean? So yeah. <clears throat> that was something where it was like a true, true collaboration of a team with teammates. I didn't even meet. I don't think I even truly met the players individually until they came back out of the bubble in Orlando and uh, we started testing again in June. Right. So like half these players that I was trying to like get assets to, or, you know, highlight, I didn't know myself. Right. So uh, mm-hmm. in what we were talking about with strategy and collaboration, it was totally like, I think we started off in the esports world of like FIFA, right? FIFA is the greatest, biggest game. Everybody plays it, whether you're, you know, adult, kid, teenager, whatever. Um, So, yeah, those were like some simulations that we we built out in the first couple months. And then I think as the whole league and other teams in general, we're all searching for like, where do we get engagement? There's not a single sport on in the world. Like, what do we do? It was collaborating with, uh, you know, other teams and saying like, Hey, we're going to run the simulation. We'll have you cross post it. We'll give you all the assets. We'll tweet it in real time. Like people are watching a FIFA simulation video game. And, you know, that's credit to like our video team who was like, Hey, let's, let's do something like this and like, and keep that going. And we, you know, we did six, seven different teams, you know, some articles got written in the, in the globe and stuff like that, uh, around here. Um, and then, yeah, like it was just a continual, you did not know when we were starting. You know what I mean? You didn't really have like a, you know, an end game in mind. So it was uh, continually every week, you know, everybody went through the phase, IG lives, let's jump on. Everybody wants to everybody <laughs> talk and watch each yep. other. Let's stream for two hours and just chat. So it was harnessing again, alumni, what are they doing? Are they safe? Uh, you know, 
talking to different people like all around the world, right? Because like, you know, even players, you want to give them a little bit of privacy. What are like international players dealing with, with their families and they can't get over here and vice versa. Uh, you know, and then to turn to happier times when we did restart, right? And you had to go to the bubble. I actually didn't go to the bubble. We had a couple other staff members go. So again, it was like from afar, what can we capture down there? Send as much back and let's try and capture it. But in, in the same token, you know, at that point, the virus, um, you know, was still in a way that was really ravaging the country. So mm -hmm. there were so many protocols to say, like, I got this awesome piece of content, but the person in the back is not masked or something mm -hmm. like that. Right. So there were so yeah. many processes and steps to send it all the way up to like our team yep. president and yep. say, like, hey, man, I, I love it, but we can't post it. And it's not it's not good mm -hmm. optics. You know, like our guys are having a good time in the bus. Mm -hmm. You know, going to a game, sorry, can't post it. You know what I mean? So there was yep. so many parameters of like, hey, you know, if, you know, instead of posting it, just err on the air on the side of caution, man, err on the side mm -hmm. of caution. So I think the biggest, uh, you know, thing that I'm looking forward to is that like when we get out completely and when the world hopefully returns to, you know, full normalcy, it's just being able to show like the most organic of moments you know, without really, without caution, right? To be able to show, like, the most, you know, interaction of fans, you know what I mean? Of people, mm -hmm. you know, high fives, autographs, meet and greets, those types of, like, organic moments that you can't you can't conjure up, you can't create uh, without mm -hmm. the fan. And especially in soccer, I, you know, it's a global sport. So, like, the sport is nothing without the fans, right? So yeah. when you're playing in empty stadiums, I think you see everywhere, it's like, and this is like a real bummer. You know, we, we miss just the heckling, really anything, you know what I mean, uh, of that sort. So, And then one other thing when you're coming out of it is just the collaborations, right? To be allowed to have other New England people around our team. Yeah. You know, I think there's, you know, we have the PLL coming to uh, Gillette here at the end of this month, beginning of June. Mm -hmm. So Paul Rabel, he's a you know an innovator a guy that I know in the past that I've worked with at Red Bull, former lacrosse guy. You know our coach is a former professional lacrosse player before he was ever a you know world renowned soccer coach. So those are the types of things where you're like looking forward to like where can I cross collaborate? Where can yeah. I do something just not with soccer? That again, that can elevate, you know, a brand into some type of, you know, longer sustaining relevancy in this market and beyond. It's been tough. It's been so tough on so many levels for all of us. Um, granted, we've learned a lot. We've seen, we've been able to back mm -hmm. away a little bit. And I saw uh, one of our former um, uh, podcast uh, guest Tyson Hutchins from uh, uh, Clemson tweet yesterday. We're getting rid of the Instagram grid, like, like feed symmetry, totally. like, like just get rid of it. Um, it's been mm -hmm. interesting to see all that, but let's go to some super, super practical questions to help our audience know what you guys see as the most successful lucrative platforms right now and maybe why. So Cassie, what is your go-to engagement platform that you know if you post content, it's gonna just naturally perform well? Twitter, of all the, of all the platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, what do you know is working and maybe a little bit, a sentence or two on why it's working? Yeah, so I think, you know, Instagram for us is just the, the far biggest audience that we have. So you just get by nature of getting the most eyeballs on something, you know, tends to perform better for us. But it's funny, like Facebook isn't necessarily our best performing platform. But when you get the right audience, Facebook 
runs with it. Like it just tends to be an older audience. When we've posted, you know, we had a couple events over the past 12 months that were parking lot events, right? This was like drive Mm -hmm. through, you're in your car, like really safe social distance. So those events that tend to be geared more towards parents, families, bringing their young kids, those posts on Facebook organic without any, you know, boosted money behind Mm -hmm. it did better than like when I post about like a Revs or Patriots score, like just by nature of like what the event was and what that audience is, is like Mm -hmm. what they're coming to Facebook for. So for me, it's really dependent on like who you're trying to reach. Like if I'm posting that same, you know, promotional piece for that drive through on Twitter, which we did like Twitter got like no engagement for it and Facebook like blew off the map. So, you know, it's really dependent on, um, you know, targeting who you're looking to, to reach for the platform. But for us just naturally with Instagram, just being far bigger than our others usually tends to be, you know, the biggest click through drivers. That's awesome. Yeah. It's all, it's all content and audience specific. Willie go, what's, Mm -hmm. what's working for you? What platforms? Yeah. Surprisingly, um, you know, Twitter is actually kind of our biggest in general, right? We've been trying to grow the Instagram. There are, you know, some viral moments, but like my job is pretty, uh, reliant upon players doing things without fans. We're relying upon players doing viral type moments or mm. scoring cool goals or doing tricks or something of that sort, right? So within the Twitter realm, uh, you know, and, and a little bit of some of the connections that I have with some bigger entities, Bleacher Report and stuff like that, we have we have a lot of real success in finding you know, a great moment, a great player, a great goal and harvesting that same video out to like different, you know, way bigger entities with millions. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Twitter is that. And like like I said, Twitter is just an easier ability to like harness former players, bigger blue check marks to like come under the umbrella and share this uh, in this point of time. You guys, obviously, you know each other. You're working in very similar veins. You're working closely with each other. There's partnership and camaraderie here. Cassie, tell us what Willie is best at, and then, (laughs) Willie, you're going to follow that up with what Cassie's best at. Oh, my God. I'm glad you asked that because I was literally, like, going to chime in at one point to say this because Willie does so well at providing assets and content for people like in such an easy way that they can just share it and amplify it. Like I'm a big proponent of like, if you give different groups, all the tools and like a pre-made graphic, it's already sized all the copy. Like if you give people all of those pieces and make it super easy, easy. Mm -hmm. then they're, then they're going to post it. If you're asking them, you know, this really generic, like, Oh, can you post about this? But I don't have the video. I don't have the copy. It's just not going to get done. And Willie is so good at leveraging, you know, all the tools at his disposal and all the different people in New England, soccer contacts, non-soccer contacts, to be able to take that like video, photo, all those content pieces and really easily give it like wrapped in a bow for people to be able to then just push on their accounts and amplify it is so smart. And he does such a good job. I don't know how he does it with just like one person. Like he's constantly getting that content out to different people. It's amazing. All right, Willie, before you talk about Cassie, What's the secret behind that? What are yeah, the tools that's that you a use question. to distribute these? <laughs> like, like, like we've used that is very nice. I don't like what people talk to about. Drop, to <laughs> well, you're apparently amazing. Uh, so tell us your secret. No, no, I mean, I mean, look, I am as much a self promoter as I am, you know, <clears throat> through brand accounts, team accounts, and stuff like that. But I am a numbers person, right? So, like, if you see numbers, I will continue to do it until kingdom comes. <laughs> it does not do numbers. And we have data and we have things behind it. It's just going to get axed. But 
in regurgitating and resharing content and all types of purposes, right? There is Twitter Studio. There is individual links. There is cross-posting. There are ways that there are some people that do not want to share content with the same copy that you put things out on, right? Yep. So yep. in that purpose and in those easy little tools, it's saying, hey, these are the five videos we captured from our videographer or in moments that are able to be reshared. Here are all the links that you can put your own copy on. Right. And here's a little like disclaimer of like what happened, what actually happened. Same thing with what I do with athletes and same thing. What I do where if I, if a guy scores a goal or makes a great save and he wants that video and he wants to reshare it on Twitter or something like that, but he doesn't like that. I really went overboard on the copy with like, Golazo with a million O's and emojis. He doesn't want to self promote himself in really that manner. Most athletes uh, in this space don't. So um, yeah, I mean, in reality, it's just putting everything on a platter, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. for for everyone to say like, Hey, I want to share it. I think it's great. I do it with the league. I send a weekly email to MLS social and I say, Hey, here's our, all the studio links that we Mm -hmm. can share. If you guys want to reshare some of our content, this is exactly like the best five pieces that we would love for you to regurgitate that you didn't catch in real time. So with everybody, we're all busy. We're all wearing multiple caps. We're all doing everything. Make it easier for everyone else. And you'll see like, you know, the reach, the rewards of like having a cohesive like relationship with who you work with and who in the same league you are. Players too. Love it. Let's go. All right, so, so Lily, what's Cassie yeah. great at? Oof. Cassie is like the star of stars. You know, in reality, Cassie gets the queen moniker of Gillette. I think all over. You saw it was recently wow. her birthday. So she did see, you know, you saw so many queen emojis, right, where I think she's great. At, and, you know, it's, you know, it's really like something I look forward to when the world returns is like seeing her in action. I've never truly seen her like – in the space of like music and entertainment, you know, with soccer, we don't get the biggest crowds. I've never seen Gillette full in terms of like a football game, a concert, anything, but like what she had, what she is great at, um, <clears throat> you know, in my time here is definitely like, um, you know, just, I think making everyone's like job and life easier. I think even in like communications, like she just mm-hmm. like tees everything up so well in a way, like, Absolutely. I want to get that to Cassie like ASAP. You know what I mean? Uh, and with everything, you know what I mean? Like she's so collaborative and she like really is like a true, true, like team player organizationally. Cassie's got a lot of clout in New England. So she goes, can I introduce you to this person or that person or this person to like make your job easier? She's yep. sending an email within the next 30 minutes. And like, honestly, like there's not enough like Cassie's in this industry. In reality. Really? 12 years i mean was it 12 years cassie 12 years being at a sports organization or a or a brand like that is unheard of unheard of what's your your secret sauce as far as uh and then we're going to wrap it up we have two questions at the end here uh what's your secret sauce relationships longevity expertise like what's your secret sauce how do you do so well with relationships and guiding people yeah i think it's always like i just 
I really relate to people who are like work really hard and just like be nice. Like, you know, I just feel like there's this like stigma of like, well, I'm a really hard worker. So like, I'm just going to be kind of like rude or whatever. And it's like, you don't need to be that way to command respect and to be helpful and to right. be a hard worker. And so I think I've kind of just like always been that way. Cause it just makes everyone's life easier. Like it's not going to help me if I'm being super rude to you to like demand something immediately. Like I'm geared to helping people more when they're nice to me and like polite and respectful. Like then if you give respect, you get respect back. And I think, you know, just working for the same company for so long, it's just been, I think it's more of, it's not even like the bigger company that you work for. And I think this is for really any role. It's like really dependent on like the core people that you work with, like your boss, like the people that you're working with day to day are really what usually impact you more than like the biggest corporation that you're working under. And so I've been really lucky to have a really good team. And my boss, you know, from day one, when I proposed like setting up a Facebook account, he was just always like, social media is not my thing. Like if you want to take and run with it, like I trust you and like you do it. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. that's not my expertise. And so he's been always really good at like, I defer to you. Like I'm not trying to like manage something that like I'm not the expert on. So like, I trust you. You're the one that's like doing well at this. Um, And then also like, you know, we've been really lucky. We've had like incredible events and, you know, I've gone to six Super Bowls. Like it's really hard to like pull away from something when you're a part of like really cool events. Unbelievable. And I think also like I'm Trump. kind of right. <laughs> we didn't win all of them. There were some pretty bad ones where that was like not the I best know. trip. But, but we um I think also like I'm I think kind of a rarity in that like I have been with this account since like follower number one. So like mm-hmm. it, it's very hard to like pull those accounts from my hands. Like, respect. Mad respect. Right. For like it's like I just I remember like when we got a thousand followers and I thought that was like the biggest thing that had ever happened. And so, you know, it's, there's so much, like, it's obviously not me, it's not Cassie's brand, but it is so, you know, you are so emotionally tied into it because, you know, you've seen it from day one. So it's, it would take a lot to, to pull those away from me. <laughs> so helpful. All right. We're, you guys have invested so much time here. Uh, we're, we're so, so grateful. We're going to wrap it with a, a question, uh, kind of a rapid fire session here. And I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. Cause you, I don't know if I gave you these questions or if we gave them to you, but here they are. Um, you've been around for a long time doing this, both of you have tons of experience. So you, you also are communicators and you have tons of opinion, right? You have a lot of opinion about the socials and the digitals and all the places. Um, we're going to ask you, what should people start doing? What should people stop doing? So leaders and creators that are listening, we have many photographers, videographers, producers, channel managers, people, people are like, okay, tell me what I should stop doing. Tell me what I should start doing. When you look out across Twitter right now, you look out across Instagram, the things that just irk you ready. We're going to do that one first. What just drives you nuts when it comes to, uh, uh, content ready let's go with willie first what should people stop doing today it's annoying quit doing it go two quick ones very opinionated i am stop (laughs) screenshotting and posting your tweets on instagram (laughs) yes that is like the biggest it's the cheapest form of engagement if you get the engagement kudos to you but it's cheap and i thought that was cool i thought it was cool Okay, got it, got it, got it. What was that? Was that two or was that one? And then the second one: stop making uh, strategy out of IGTV. At this point in time, I think everybody you uh. should have learned by now that making a strategy out of Instagram TV will send you nowhere. <laughs> Good to know. All right, let's jump to Cassie. Um, helpful, Cassie. What should people stop doing? It's driving you nuts. 
I have two things too. I think they're both with Instagram, right? You had mentioned this before, Tyson. Like, I hate, I, I just, there's no point in making your Instagram grid like symmetrical and beautiful. Like, people are looking at it on a feed. You don't need that. A lot of the time, people post like a fragment of a photo, and like that means nothing to me when I'm scrolling. So, stop doing that. And I also, there's this big push nowadays to like, erase your entire Instagram feed when like there's an announcement coming, but then you like erase all of your history and like all of the different things that had happened in the past. Like I get it that you're getting like a nice big, like you're going to get a lot of eyes on it because it looks dramatic, but then you lose everything afterwards. I just, I don't like it. I think it's overplayed. We had a brand that like one of the people that almost got fired because they accidentally deleted all the content instead of archiving it. Because obviously you can archive it, but they like didn't know that, so they just went in and started deleting. And it was like you actually deleted Mm. it all. You didn't just archive it. (laughs) Dangerous game. There was a very similar story that a brand two or three weeks ago did that, and then the Instagram shut down their account um, for for doing that for deleting because I think they had purchased the account or something. We were like the whole thing. We were was real shady, and then they were like. Well, we don't need all this content, so we'll delete it. We want the followers. And when I heard, I was like, "Uh oh, y'all are in trouble!" And Instagram shut down the account. Anyways, okay, ready? Last that's question. What people, that's what people should stop doing. What should they yep. start doing? Cassie, go back to you. Oh, I think that's a really good question because I, I don't even really have like the the most concise answer for it. I think it goes back to like what Willie's doing. Like, I think giving that giving your content to other people that can amplify it and post it on their accounts. And there's all those studies, like I know Open Doors, like the company does a lot with this, where like a player posting a video can get so much more traction than the team account. And like, you have to be selfless in your content. And like, it can't just be like, I'm going to post it because it's mine. Like if it's going to get more eyes and more traction from someone else posting it, you have to be smart enough and willing to let them do that because it's helping everyone, even if it doesn't come from your specific account. Instead of individuals championing brands, which has happened for like years and decades, pre-social, it's like a flip to where brands are really mm-hmm. starting to champion individuals and that's where they're right. seeing the highest ROI. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Will, Will it, what go. should people start doing? Uh, I, I, it's tough, right? Like Cassie actually alluded to like the gold, like the gold standard of like what I want to be and what I eventually want to continue to do. Um, but definitely, yeah. Empower your athletes. If you are team side, uh, and then just on a simple type of thing, it's like really incorporate reels into your strategy at this juncture in time, because you don't have like an analytical tracking at the moment for it. But if you are a sole numbers individual for your client or for something, those are going to reach the masses as opposed to if you posted a square or eight by 10 video in your grid and you ended up with 3000 views. Whereas if you did a reel, you sized it, you put a cover photo on it, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50,000 views. And like, how does anybody deny that? Who doesn't want 15,000 views as opposed to three? That's great. It's fascinating to hear you guys talk so much about, um, Instagram. And I feel really bad. I keep mm-hmm. saying you guys. Will said y'all earlier and I meant to like I like y'all. I, I meant to say do you guys do you <laughs> know what y'all means? Um but it's it's good. It's feel like we're f- with family talking to some uh New Englanders and I guess Will you're not. You're a Jersey guy. But. <laughs> I'm not. I am a I'm a barely, I am a newly adopted son that takes on certain personas of New England. Okay. But can't get away from like the DNA of the of brash, New York, New Jersey, 
yeah. Well, when I come back to New England and uh, cross through Jersey on Interstate 76 or 78 or whatever it is, I'll, I'll at least wave to, to your New Jersey people. And then I'll come visit you guys in New England because yes, this New Englander has never been to Gillette Stadium in all my life. No I am, way! I'm embarrassed to unacceptable. It's unacceptable, but I'm I'm coming that. back. I got family in Rhode Island. Still, tons of family. We go up pre-pandemic. We went up almost yearly. So, anyways, though, none of our listeners Rhode, care about that. Rhode, Rhode Island, Rhode Island calamari though is the oh, real deal that I learned calamari. in the most recent like election cycle. Sorry, don't talk about that. But yeah, Rhode Island calamari. We learned about that. I never knew that that was like a differentiating Listen, thing than there is regular calamari. A lot of a lot of a lot of things about Rhode Island that y'all can't mess with. My roadie Rams. I'm coming. My my son is a roadie Rams fan. He, he went to his first college basketball game at URI, and so we got to come back up. There. Uh, Thank you both. William and I are so grateful. The Reverb team, we uh, we love talking to experts in the field and especially those that are not in the South. We get to talk to some people <laughs> way up in New England that are crushing it on digital. We are so thankful for you both. We appreciate your time and uh, we hope that this does well for you. And we'll talk to everybody next time on the Reverb Roundtable. Tons of great content coming your way. We hope you have an amazing week. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Reverb Roundtable. Here's your weekly reminder that we write show notes for every single episode. They are full of so much information, every link we talk about, every piece of content we talk about. You definitely want to get these show notes. To grab those, just go to rvrb.cc forward slash podcast and subscribe to our email list. We'll see you next week on Reverb Roundtable.